So turn with me to Mark chapter 4, as we will look at the last bit of that chapter. So we continue our study in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, we'll be starting at verse 35 today, the story of Jesus calming the storm. Before we do so, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help with the text. Our Lord Jesus, as we come to Your Word, we pray that You would help us with it. We have here a story that is familiar to us many times. This is one of the first stories we hear about you and your life on earth. It's a simple story, but it has profound implications in how we see you and how we live our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you help us, that this story, that you would help us to see that this story is not about us but it is about you, our Savior, and our Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So as I read through this story, it made me think of a trip that I had with my family to Six Flags. My family often gets drawn into these illustrations. I spend a lot of time with them. So it's just how it works. A few years ago, we went to Six Flags as a family, and there was this really big lead-up to it. It was up in St. Louis, and I grew up in Missouri, so this particular Six Flags was quite familiar to me. So we had this big lead-up. We were talking about all the things we are going to ride, and particularly, we were focusing on the roller coasters that were there, because you know the pinnacle of any amusement park experience is the roller coasters, and Six Flags has some big roller coasters. They can be scary, so my tactic in talking about them was to kind of rate them. You know, this one's an easy one. This one's kind of a medium. This one's more of a hard one. And so I had them all convinced, you know, like, hey, we're going to start with the easy ones, and we might move on to the medium ones, and then we might move on to the hard ones if we feel like that's what we want to do. And the kids basically agreed, and we were ready to go. Well, again, I kind of had this inside scoop on the different roller coasters there. I had been riding them since I was probably like, I don't know, eight or something, really, really little. And there was a new one that I didn't know anything about that I was excited to ride myself. So I thought, I'll just sell this one as an easy one. You know, not really knowing what it is. And we all jumped on. We were all excited about it. Needless to say, it was not an easy one. It was really fast. I don't remember how we were all seated, but I do remember how I was seated. I had Jenny Brooke next to me, and she was, you know, little... She was smaller than she is now, eight or so, and we were in the very front seat. Because how else would you ride a roller coaster, right, except for the very front? It was fun for me. They lived through it, because they're all here today. I would never, of course, put my family or my children in harm's way on purpose, ever, obviously. But that didn't mean that I wasn't interested in putting them through something hard, Something that may have been difficult for them that if they had thought too much about, they probably would never have done. In our passage today, the Lord puts His disciples on a boat. And He knows what's coming. But they don't. Unlike my children and roller coasters, the disciples knew about boats. They knew about the Sea of Galilee, which they were going to be traveling on. They were experienced in that sort of thing. But what was in store for them was going to be a challenge even 
for them. The Lord is just like that. We'll learn. Sometimes He's leading us right into things that could be difficult for us. Could even cost us a lot and cause us to depend completely on Him. Could even maybe even cost us our lives. As we look into this passage, we're going to see that idea, but we'll also see more important that Jesus is the sovereign Lord of creation. He is over all things. He's going to demonstrate that very succinctly in this passage. He takes people into the storm and he brings them back out because he is Lord. So as we consider this passage, we need to look at these two main ideas. First, heading into the storm and then quieting the storm. So with that, let's look at the text. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. Please stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's holy word. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. So just a bit of context first. So remember where we are kind of in the midst of this. Jesus up to this point had been teaching by the water. He even had to put a boat out into the water because the people were up against him and he wanted to be able to see everybody and speak to everybody. He was teaching words about the kingdom of God. and He was teaching those things in parables, and so he was getting a mixed response. Some people were hearing and understanding. Some people had no idea what he was talking about. And that's kind of what his plan was all along. The major theme in the parables was the seed being God's Word that can take root and grow in a believer. And though many things may hinder it, it can still grow. This is ultimately the work of the Lord. We talked about that. So with our text text today, we have a kind of test for the disciples. Had the Word of God taken root in the hearts of the disciples? Did they, did they have to get into the boat that night when Jesus commanded them to get into the boat? Didn't Jesus know that a storm was coming? Couldn't they have just waited? All of those things could have happened, but they didn't happen. Jesus bid them into the boats, and they did as they were commanded. And Jesus, of course, had a lesson to teach them. This passage is used a lot of ways today. We've, again, this is a very familiar passage to us. It's sung about in songs. And what do most of those songs and most of those things that we see this, what do they mostly focus on? They focus on the storm, right? They focus on the storm because we 
no storms. To one degree or another, we can understand this passage as a kind of metaphor for life's difficulties. Now, to be clear, that's not saying that this didn't actually happen. Absolutely, Jesus stood up and calmed the storm. But not many of us are going to find ourselves on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a thunderstorm. But we do understand difficulty in life. And so that's why this passage is relatable to people. But like we often do in our own lives, when we come to the store, we focus on the storm rather than focusing on the Creator. So as we come to this, let us focus our attention on our Creator and our Redeemer. So that brings us to the first point, heading into the storm. Look with me at verses 35 through 37. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the other side. And so they left the crowd that they were gathered around. They got into these boats. There were other people with them. Apparently there were other boats. And look, verse 37, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. I have been on the Mississippi River in the middle of a thunderstorm, and it was pretty terrifying. So I can imagine this would be tough. He gets them into the boat, and the storm happens. Pretty neat little side note about the Sea of Galilee. It is the lowest freshwater lake in the world, meaning like it's like 700 feet below sea level, which is pretty, pretty low. And so it's situated with mountains on all sides, and, you know, you have the temperature change and you have the climb that's going on there. And so what that does is it produces winds and it produces a lot of tumultuous atmospheric kinds of things. There's your weather lesson for today. But that group of fishermen knew all about it. It wasn't like the Sea of Galilee was this new entity to them. They had never been in a storm on the sea. They knew full well about the Sea of Galilee and its storms. Whether they knew this storm was coming or not, we don't know. We're not given that information, but we do know that Jesus wasn't surprised by it. We know that for sure, right? Because he's not surprised by anything. In fact, the storm answers to him. That's what we're going to see. He doesn't answer to it. Both, he is both its beginning and its end, which we get to see very plainly here. And so the storm came, and it was a big one. It filled the boats with water. It's causing there to be some panic on the ship. These seasoned fishermen are all of a sudden panicked, and they're like, what are we going to do? Jesus is, we're going to die. These fishermen, this was a normal part of their life. They're terrified. And so what's the smart thing to do when you're terrified and you're, you have, you know, the Son of God with you? You're going to go find Him. Well, they found him, and he was asleep. Going back to that whole roller coaster thing, there are a few roller coasters that I have ridden so many times at Six Flags that I could probably just kind of close my eyes and enjoy the breeze, you know, like the wind flowing through your hair, and it feels so nice on the roller coaster, because they're not really a surprise to me. I don't have to keep my eyes open and thinking, oh, no, here it comes. I don't really have that experience with those roller coasters. I still enjoy them. I didn't need to think about whether or not I might die or I trusted the mechanisms and the seat and so forth. So think about the Lord in this situation. How much more then is the Lord of the storm able to sleep peacefully in its midst? 
He's sleeping. And this bothered the disciples. Notice their response. Do you not care that we are perishing? So consider their question a bit before we judge them. It's not a bad question. They knew Jesus could do amazing things, right? He had done some pretty amazing things up to this point in this book alone, much less probably what he had done, other things that weren't recorded here in Mark's gospel. They also knew that Jesus was their friend. He wasn't an enemy to them. They had been with them a while. They had been been together long enough to trust one another. So while the rest of them are frantically fighting for their lives, Jesus is resting after a long day. And he's just in the boat in the midst of this storm. It wasn't as if the disciples did anything that we know of to deserve this. We can't say, well, they acted up that day, so Jesus is teaching them a lesson by staying asleep and making them go through the storm. It's nothing like that. We might want to think that. We think that with our own lives a lot of times, don't we? This thing is upon me because, well, obviously I'm a bad person. And that's why this is happening to me. And maybe that's the case. But in this case, we don't think that's what's going on. So many times, why does trouble come upon us? Well, a lot of times trouble comes upon us because it does have to do with our own decisions, right? Our own bad choices, our own sin. We have bad things happen to us because of our sin. We have one or two reactions when those things happen. We usually blame others because, of course, it wouldn't be our fault. Or we might blame ourselves, face the music, kind of be humble. We usually don't blame God in these situations because we know the source and the source of those kinds of problems that we cause are in the mirror. It makes sense. I know when I have caused my life to be difficult. But there are times when it's hard to say, why is this difficult thing upon me? We have that kind of thing going on in this story. Who can say why there's a global pandemic right now? I've heard lots of people try to say why. They don't know. God didn't give them special info. We might have our opinions, but no one knows the mind of the Lord. What about when we suddenly lose someone we love? We experienced that back in the fall, right? Why did that storm come upon us? Did we do something to deserve that? No, I don't think so. There are lots of times that we can look and we can think, and the only answer is that the Lord, for whatever reason, has brought us to this point. For whatever reason, he had brought the disciples and he had had them get in a boat and had them go out on the sea knowing full well that a storm was going to come. And why would he do that? Well, we get the answer from someone who was in the boat with them that day. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 12. I'm actually going to go through this last section of First Peter 4 in our Sunday school time today because I thought it uh, worth more of our time than just a few minutes here in the sermon. But I want to read these couple of verses here, verse 12 and verse 13. And consider again, Peter was there in the, in the midst of the boat. He was one of those that tried to wake Jesus up while he was asleep. And here he is writing these words many years later to Christians that are suffering. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial which, when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange 
were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So again, I want to deal with this through the end of the, the book there in the, today in Sunday school. But I want to focus here on these couple of verses. Notice what Peter says about the fiery trials that might come upon us. Do not be surprised when they come because we don't need to be surprised as though they were something strange to us. We use that word strange in a lot of different ways now. We kind of use it to mean weird almost. But strange in this case is like something that's foreign, something that's something that's alien, something that is completely unknown to the believer. Don't look at these things as if they are completely foreign to the life of the believer. They aren't, and they shouldn't be. Why is it that we have this notion that difficult things should be strange to the believer? The Bible never suggests that. In fact, it almost suggests the opposite over and over again. But somehow we let this seep into our belief. Rather than be surprised by these things, what are then we to do? Well, in going through these difficult trials, what does it tell us? Rejoice as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. The disciples, going through that storm that day, were experiencing just a sampling of the suffering of Christ. The trials that we go through, we're experiencing just a sampling of the suffering of Christ. And why? Why would we do that? Why would he have us do that? That you may rejoice and be glad when his glory, not ours, not about us, when his glory is revealed. When we are saved, brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a no small thing that's going on. We are united in Christ. We are united to Him. We're not just a part, or we don't get just a part of Him. We get the whole Christ. And so we not only get His sufferings, and we don't only know Him in His sufferings, but we also know Him in His glory. And a lot of times as Christians, what part do we focus on? His glory, right? Because the suffering's hard. But in this life, we share in the sufferings of Christ. A great passage about this. This is one of those that Christians should commit to memory. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, it's one that you're familiar with. Starting at verse 7, I'll just read this. This is Paul. But whatever gain I had... I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Paul lost all things and he counted them all rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him. And guess this, he's going to qualify how he may know Him. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the part we like. What's the next part? And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is what it means to know him. We not only share in his glory, we share in his sufferings, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we go through them. Christ didn't wake up that morning, or he didn't wake up that day in the boat, surprised. Oh, there's a storm. Let me deal with that real quick. He knew full well what was going on. And this next point I want to get to is that to know him is to fear him. And this we'll get to this quieting the storm. Back in Mark chapter 4, verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So Jesus woke up, and we don't get any kind of reaction from him. You wonder if he was bothered by the disciples waking him up. He just wakes up, and for some reason, I like to picture him walking out on the deck of this big boat. That's probably not what it was. It probably wasn't a very big boat. But he woke up, and he says to the storm, Peace. And he says to the water, Be still. And guess what happens? They do that. They listen to him. They don't think about it. They don't wonder if it's right. They immediately stop. And we get that. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Now we've heard this story way too many times for it to affect us like it should. We've all been in the middle of a bad storm. An actual thunderstorm, right? We know how helpless it can make you feel. When it's around you, maybe you're in a car and you're on the interstate or something like that and there's just badness all around you and you're like, I just need to get through this because there's really nothing you can do, right? It's so big and it's so powerful, there's really nothing we can do. We've all secretly wanted to be able to tell it to stop like Jesus does here in this passage, but we have no power. It would just not even really hear us. But Jesus had that power. Everything... Think, I mean, you just think about all the, the things that are necessary for a storm to begin. Think about all the things that are necessary for that storm to then stop being a storm. And it all happened like that, immediately, because of a couple of words spoken by that storm's creator. Jesus looks at his friends, and then he says, Why are you so afraid? It's a fun word choice there. We're going to see from their reaction to him. Why are you so afraid? Have you still, after all that you've seen, have you still no faith? And notice their response, verse 41, And they were filled with great fear. After he just asked them, Why are you so afraid? And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They're still afraid after this whole thing goes on, but the, their fear has shifted. It's no longer for the storm, but it's for the one that's in the boat with them. And that's incredible to me, because they knew now where real power rested. It didn't rest in the wind and the water, it rested in the man who had just been taking a nap on a pillow. When you read about... How we should fear the Lord. You read that through the New and the Old Testaments, right? You've heard that. 
What you should do is try to put yourself in the shoes of these men on this boat on that day. What would it be like to, to be in the midst of this storm that is so terrifying and then all of a sudden this man who's just like you or seemingly just like you to stand up and say stop it and then the storm was like okay and it did that. That would be more terrifying than any storm we have ever experienced. And I love their response. What kind of man is this? They've seen some pretty incredible things up to this point, but even this caused them to step back. What kind of man is this? Well, he's the Lord of glory. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's the only righteous one. He is the Lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. They're just now getting a clearer picture of this, but they would still struggle as we still do. What about for us? Do we fear the storm? Or do we fear Jesus? The right answer is likely some of both for all of us. In fact, it will be that way until he takes us home and we are complete in him. But how is it then that we can have a right fear of the Lord? Consider life's difficulties. And think about those things and consider them as Jesus could say to them, Peace, be still. You've probably witnessed it in your life or maybe in the life of someone else. Maybe you've been a part of some sort of healing that the doctors were like, we have no idea how this happened. Some other occurrence that can only be explained by faith and by the fact that there is a loving creator that loves his people. Yet, what is our reaction to these events? Are they just kind of the normal? When the creator stands up and says, peace, be still. Or do we just, do we just kind of pass them off as normal things? Or do we have a right fear of the Lord. The one who can command the storm also can speak to us and calm us in whatever trial there is in life. Consider the psalm that we read today from the call to worship, Psalm 23. And what is it that comforts the sheep? Notice what it is that comforts the sheep. Is it the grass? Is it the water? It's his rod and it's his staff. Both Gentle leading and tough love. Yet where does the shepherd go with his sheep? He takes them places, right? He takes them beside quiet waters and green pastures. And we really love that, right? This idea of when I'm in Christ, I'm just going to be beside the quiet waters and the, and the green pastures. But he also takes them in the presence of their enemies. He also takes them through the valley of the shadow of death. We do not worship a great shepherd that is afraid of that valley. We worship one who walked through it for us. And he walks through it with us. And we worship one who sometimes will continue to lead us through those dark valleys. So the question is, do we trust him? Do we trust that he will lead us through? We remember his promises to us. I give them eternal life. No one is able to snatch them from my grasp. We can be confident that he who began a good work in us will see it through to completion in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And that promise isn't for those who are faithful. Understand that. Did he get the disciples through the storm? Yes. Was it because they were really good at their job? Obviously not. Just keep reading. They don't get really much better. They don't, it doesn't improve. We read in our story today what our faithfulness looks like. We would be afraid. We would say to our Lord in his face, Are you not concerned that we are perishing? He doesn't come to the faithful. If he didn't, or if he came just only to the faithful, he never would have came at all. He came even while we were yet sinners. He, came, he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And if you're hearing that for the first time, call upon his name and be saved today. Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. If you're hearing this for the 100th time or the 1,000th time, know that even when we are without faith and don't properly fear him as we should, he is faithful. He plans to bring his children home. And so in conclusion, let us be a people who trust more and more in the work of God in our lives. And when trial comes, let us not fear the storm, but instead fear our Lord. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, we are thankful that when the fiery trial comes, that you are with us. You are with us beside still waters, and you are with us when the storm rages. And Lord, we pray that in both of those times, our focus would not be on our surroundings, but our focus would be upon you, the author and perfecter of our faith, our Lord and our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.